TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 560, and I'm Olivia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Tom. I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida and host the Screen Tom podcast on Anchor and iTunes. All right, let's start off with the news. Tom, hit us. What you got? I'll start with the sad news. Kevin Conroy passed last Thursday due to cancer. He was just uh, 66. Um, he literally holds the Guinness World Record for number of performances as Batman, over 300. Wow. And they certified him in 99. So um, people are leaving flowers at the Batman statue downtown Burbank by the theaters. So, mega bummer. So I had friends who worked with him on the shows. Uh, ABC News. Ellen Pompeo checks out of Grey's Anatomy on 2-23-23. However, comma, she will continue to provide voiceovers for the rest of the season. I want to see that contract because she got a sweetheart deal. (laughs) A Million Little Things will end with season five, and Wonder Years season two has been delayed to summer 23. Amazon has announced that Carnival Row will end with its upcoming second season. Apple it TV took forever Plus. for Carnival Row to come back, by the way. I didn't even know. Oh, it was no, still- and then they, before it even aired, they said, that's it. Yeah. Well, well it's good to know. I mean, it, I feel like it's good to know that they knew this is the end, and so they're wrapping everything up, and that's fine. Did you guys it's like it? it? I never finished I, it. I, I liked it a lot. I did, yeah. yeah. It's beautifully produced, but the yeah. two leads are light and talent is the nice way to put yes, it. Yes, that was my problem. <laughs> a little light in the talent feet. Oh, okay, very pretty <laughs> Let's go. Let's go on with the news. Apple TV Plus has picked up Bad Sisters for season two. CBS has announced a three-way NCIS crossover on Monday, January 2nd. The Mothership, LA, and Hawaii. Uh, CW's new head has said a couple of shows may survive into fall 23. I would take that literally and think maybe two. (laughs) Everything else has already been canceled. Yeah, everything else is on the way up. Disney Plus has announced they're developing an Indiana Jones series and they're taking general meetings with writers to figure out a concept. Um, Fox has given a series order to uh, a show currently titled Universal Basic Guys slash The Hoogie Brothers from Adam and Craig Malamut, who created Game of Zones. Freeform has canceled Everything's Trash. HBO Max has tapped Jason Fuchs and Brad Caleb Kane to serve as co-showrunners for the upcoming It prequel series. And Dune, the Sisterhood, has cast Travis Fimmel as Desmond Hart, an enigmatic soldier who gains the trust of the uh, Harkonnen. Bene Gesserit. Gesserit. Yep. Uh, Netflix has canceled The Imperfects and Partner Track. They've ordered Monster Seasons 2 and 3. It will be an anthology series, so we'll get a new awful person to follow every year. Uh, Watcher was picked the watcher has been picked up for season two they've ordered a series adaptation of judy bloom's forever with mara brock akil to executive produce 
uh, the animated Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, will star Luke Evans and Olivia Coleman and drops in December. Chris Rock has set a live comedy special. And the uh, Winx Club creator is shopping around a $100 million feature in the wake of the series cancellation. Uh, Paramount Plus unveiled the cast for its upcoming series, The Doll Factory. The leads, pretty much unknowns, Esme Creed Miles from Hannah, Deanna Hardwick from Normal People, Mirren Mack from The Witcher Blood Origin, and George Webster from, from The Wedding Season. And that's it. All right. Uh, let's start with the shows. First up, we're going to talk uh, the season finale of Interview with a Vampire. And this uh, episode basically shows the culmination of Louis and Claudia's plan to kill Lestat. And it's sufficiently convoluted to make you think of the chess game that they played before. And I knew... I will have to say the only thing I did know was that Claudia was lying to Louie when she was telling him stuff. I was like, there's no way she's going to tell him what the actual nope. plan is. Of course so not. she tells him ahead of time, you're the distraction. So knowing that, I knew that, you know, whatever she was telling him, she was feeding him a load. But I did have to say, I totally did forget about the other girl that he turned. I yes. totally forgot about her. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice surprised that he yeah. had her spying and listening in on the on the inner you know because that, that was yeah the telepathic conversation because we knew that Lou you know that Lestat couldn't hear them because he made them all which is a weird rule like seriously he's the maker but he can't hear you but then the children can talk to each other in secret that just he, seems like a really bizarre thing he did explain it but I don't remember why yeah but the explanation still sounded kind of ridiculous even when they sure. explained it but yeah. I was like you know what fine you know yeah I was like fine whatever if we go by those rules but I really did like how it all came together I thought that was great Sure. Go ahead. So I, I've got a question. Like the journalist, I'm like, why didn't you burn the body? Because yes. come yeah, on. Yeah, well, I mean, we know we know why he didn't, which is that he's still in love with Lestat. Right. That's the reason. That's he the did. very easy, simple reason, and yes. that's why Claudia was so angry with him. Yes. And I would presume, since there, I know that there's another book called The Vampire Lestat. Right. That right. Somehow, in some shape or form there will be more adventures of Lestat. Well, in the books, it takes him like almost a hundred years to heal from what they did to him. So he like sits in that coffin and just eats rats for a really long time to get yeah. his strength although, back. Although in the book, what they did to him was he, he did kind of get set on fire. He did. The, uh, they burned the house down and he was trapped inside it, which is not what happens uh, in this. So I, yeah. So I feel like it's going to take him less time to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they they did, time jump. yeah, they didn't want to do a hundred years, but they're probably going to do at least 50 or something. But the thing about the vampire Lestat also, it's all from his point of view. And right. if I recall, they're not even in it. So right? he's probably less of a no. get in his story. <laughs> yeah. They're not. Yeah. yeah I think they're going to his own origins and, right. and then skips to like when he becomes a rock star. Right. It's just such a weird thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not. It was, it was, it was so kind of awkward on the page, and I'm not looking forward to them trying to do it. But it was still. On, it was so natural. Him turning into a rock star. It I mean, was. Nice. I mean, it's like perfect. And was that supposed to be a big reveal that the dude helping out in you know during the interview 
was Armand. Is Armand? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a review. Yeah, that was supposed to be a big huge. reveal. Yes, huge. And also because uh, Armand is not supposed to be like you're not. They were playing him off as like food for Louis. So and he had fake fake contacts. The whole right. deal. And seemed so, to be standing in sunlight at uh, right. various points as well. Yeah, and yeah. that was the whole thing is that Armand is so old, he can yeah. stand in sunlight. Right. But it's, yeah. a, it's a huge departure from the books because he doesn't meet Armand until they go to the Theater of the Vampires. Right, in, like, in, Paris. in Paris. And also, all, it's the second time that they cast Armand a lot older than he's supposed to look. Yes. He's supposed to be about, he was like 17 when he was turned or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. I didn't remember so, that. Yeah, they keep, they keep, you know, aging up these characters. I understand Claudia. I mean, because practically speaking, you can't you can't do that. But uh, it it seems weird to me that they they did not keep our mind. Well, but but, but, but also, I'm not supposed to have gravitas. It's hard yeah, to have a, a 17 year old. When you have a 17 year old in a book, you can have them have gravitas. Having a 17 year old actor with that gravitas, well, it, he doesn't have them. to be 17. He could be like 27, but look 17. You know, they right. cast that way a lot. Right. But, you know, in the movies, Armand was played by um, Antonio Banderas, right? I was going to say, wasn't Banderas in the movie? And he's yeah. quite old. He was like, you know, not quite was, old, but, you know. <laughs> no, well, but he was way older than the character correct, at the time, That's too. what I mean. And it yeah. worked. I thought he was fantastic as Armand. Oh, I did not. Yeah. He, I, but he I liked him. Wrong. Who I doesn't did. like Antonio Banderas? That's what I, mean. I love Antonio Banderas, just <laughs> not in that role. Well, uh, you know what, you know what uh, Alice? Well, let guys. Guys, we're getting off topic. Yeah, let's, let's stay on the show. Well, let's I stay didn't on the say show, please. About the show, so I will say something about the show. Um, and later on, we'll, we're going to talk about um, dangerous liaisons. Um, I just had fun with them all dressing up, you know, as for their um, oh the ball. Wife. Oh, that was ball. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Went to yeah. the party. Um, and, um, I kind of loved it. I thought that, um, it was like decadent and wicked and, and, you know, and we knew that what they were going to end up doing, but it didn't matter. I was kind of very looking forward to it and excited. Um, so I thought that was really done well because, you know, when you know what's going to happen, but you still are kind of excited to see it, I think then that means they did a nice job. So, um, yeah, I think overall, since it is the finale, I'm, I want to, I personally want to talk about the season on the whole, I think minus the, a little bit of the awkwardness of, of the Claudia sort of, you know, dip. Um, she, the story came back around for me with her as well, but I think most of us agree. I think she was miscast from the beginning. Um, you know, and so she honestly, I hate saying this, you know, and not that she's going to hear us, but she certainly was the weakest link. And I think she was weak enough to bring down, if we're going to use stars, which we never do on this show, um, like it would, it would, it brings the show down at least a star. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's impactful enough for me to be unable to be like, it was an amazing series or it's like so good. Uh, that being said, she didn't derail it and kill it. I think she was good enough in, in areas, but she was, she wasn't great. And um, I think the, one of the things I gave this a lot of thought after last podcast and, and in when watching this, when they were killing him, you know, and how conflicted Louis was, you know, because we are supposed to identify with him, right? And um, and how much he loves him in spite of who he is, Lestat, and in spite of who Louis is, let's be honest, right? And in um, spite of the abuse. Yes, and that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, so I think that was a fault of the show because um, the books don't make it like that so much, so obvious that he's like an abusive husband. He, I mean, he's, he's mean and he's, uh, you know... Um, uh, mysterious and all this stuff in the books 
So I think that was the fault of the show that blurred, that crossed that line and made it very hard to be sympathetic or empathetic or sympathetic to the Lestat Well, because the whole, yeah, the whole point of the next book for, is, is we see it from Lestat's point of yes. view. He's not a, the monster that we thought he was. They crossed but, the line. Yeah. Well, here, it's also being, you know, I mean, it's the unreliable narrator. There, too. I mean, there, how much are you going to there. believe Lestat that there. he's really a great guy? Um, I, I think in, in the original book when before she was thinking of, of doing sequels or anything like that Lestat was you know a, a, a villainous character sure. he was charming but he yeah. you know he could be charming but he was also terrifying yeah. and uh, you know and, and later on becomes kind of grotesque almost a parody of himself before we lose track of him so I, I, I don't know that we're supposed to actually you know feel bad or care like Lou, you know, like Louis does, because we're not trapped in that relationship with him. Um, so I was fine with that particular scene. I do agree, though, that the the series did take kind of a dip in the middle, you know, around where you know a big Claudius eyes hole uh, that it kind of tripped into. Um, but they brought themselves out, and by the time the finale came around, I was just one hundred percent back, you know, with the show, and and I'm looking forward to. I have a really quick question for people who do know the Mayfair uh, witches is coming, which is going to be in the same universe. Right. Does anybody know anything about that? I, I never mean, I'm planning read. on watching it. I, never I, read read the series. I read the very first book, um, which was like a thousand pages, if I remember. And, you know, I think 500 of it was worth reading. Um, what was <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, for real, for real. I mean, I could be making up that it was a thousand pages, but it was very. It felt like a thousand pages, and I think that's the takeaway here. Um, so, but I do remember the last twenty pages were garbage, and I do remember that I had bought the book in hardback. That's how old I am, and um, I I literally threw it across the room and almost broke it. Oh, oh wow! No. Yeah, because yeah, the, oh, the last- but I'm hoping I'm hoping that they'll take the good bits. Yeah. They have to. It's a thousand pages or, or whatever pages. But here's what I will say. The world building is interesting. Uh, it's very much, though, like um, a little bit like, um, if I remember correctly, this was a million years ago, uh, Buffy in the sense that there are watchers. So there's like a whole, uh, you know, there's a whole group of them, you know, and, and then there's the witches and this and that. So I think the world building is, is pretty interesting. Uh, I think she does a good job with that anyway, you know, in general. Um, so I think it, I think it'll be, I think it's definitely, they have enough material there and it's a good, it's good, it's a good, it's a good piece to turn into a series. There's enough there for sure. Okay, cool. Let's, let's move on. Uh, I was just curious. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we're going to talk The Rookie and um, what happened this week? It's, uh, it was the episode written by Glenn Mazzara, formerly of uh, The Shield, as well as the, the first few seasons of Walking Dead. Basically, the the big plot line is that they go to the house, respond to a call uh, from a mom. Oh, who, right. Because neighbors complain, and the black the, the the black teenager was being kind of uh, oh right. It was the undercover thing was, with Chin was and, yeah. was being non responsive to his mom, and because it got loud, neighbors called him in, and then. Uh, Tim calls. No, him no, no. Puppy. I, I, I remember. Yeah, we. I'm, I'm, I'm caught up. I yeah. mean, but, but the thing is, as soon as they did that, you know, this is going to go wrong somehow, somewhere. Well, as soon as the 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 rookie is like, uh, or the black guy who's not a rookie anymore, really, um, 
as soon as he like adopted that kid and they're like, oh, it's Yeah, as soon as he bonds with it, I was like, oh, he's. I figured he was. And then they send him undercover, and then they send him to basically lure out. I thought that was really irresponsible. Yeah, it was super irresponsible. I just thought it was a bad, bad idea. It was a bad idea on a lot of levels. And I, I I saw, you see that, you know, one of the cops is reluctant, but he's not reluctant enough to To stand up. Right, to stand up and say no. And then he lies to the mom. They should have had the mom slap him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would have been all, nice. of, all of that, and then yeah. the fact that uh, Tim was like, "What are you like? Who side are you? Like, who who are you gonna do this for? You know?" And and he called Tim on, you know, favoring Chen and endangering the kid, which he did do. Totally. And and then he was like, "I can't believe you would dare to do this." And I was like, "He's right." Yeah. And all <laughs> yeah, you know, so all of that was just. Yeah, I didn't it's like unrealistic it and a little bit out of character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like Tim because they always awesome. try to show that these guys are good guys, but this felt very much like gray. Bad guys. Yeah, it was very and gray. Responsible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very, like an upstanding by the book kind of guy. You know what I mean? So I feel like. And can really please be done with this drug lord thingy? I think it's they true. are. I think. I, that's think, I think they wrapped it up. I, I think this is gonna wrap up because man, I am tired of that. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no, it was terrible. It and I even the way they wrapped it up, I was cringe. I was just like, ugh, really? This is not even remotely interesting. And, I mean, and it's not satisfying at all. No, you're right. absolutely right. No, and it and it left the door open. Let's be honest, for them to like, you know, reanimate that corpse. So that, that, that's why I'm hoping it's done because I have zero interest in following that. No, door. and then let's lastly talk about what the horse we keep beating into the ground, which is the lack of chemistry between. Um, <laughs> Nathan, uh, Nathan Fillion and uh, yes, Jenna Dewan. and Jenna Dewan. I don't. Yeah. I mean, oof! It really grinds the whole series to a halt, and and it almost makes me dislike her, like not the character, but the actress, because I just don't like them together. And she well, my thing is Nathan Fillion can have chemistry with a rock, yeah. and I'm like, why does he have no chemistry with her? Because yeah. even on Castle. Yeah. He and the lead actress did not he, like he each other. He and hated each other. They hated each other, but their chemistry was off That's the chain. Right. Yes, but they yeah. say that a lot of times, that, that fine line between hate and love, you know, you feel that, like, <laughs> passion. So yeah, but I, my point is, my point is, he can, I've seen him have chemistry with all kinds of people, right. and he has zero with her. Yeah, no. He had great chemistry with Chin. Yeah. He has great, like, what? Why does he have no chemistry with this woman? No, I don't know. But I guess we should move on because that horse truly is dead. Yeah. He dragged it through the square. So, but she's um, not written well. No. no. All right, let's move on. So still overall, thumbs up for the rookie. Sure. Uh, next, shot, next up, we're going to talk about Big Shot. And Tom, since you remember what happened in episode seven and eight, because I, I got stuck on that train and I just couldn't stop. I just went all the way to the end. Episode so. seven is basically post-fire and they relocate to Holly's house. That is so sweet and very much feels like fan fiction. But yeah. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is uh, they relocate to Holly's house and then uh, it starts to get a little weird because she's becoming surrogate mother and and he's basically trying to tell her how to reorganize her house, which is like, dude, you're a guest. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah, yes, exactly. He started moving stuff around and rearranging stuff. And then and the season, I was like, this is a this is a good way to get kicked out of the house. Seriously. And the seasons almost got canceled, but he they came up with the brilliant idea to, hey, why don't we have a charity fundraiser and the men, 
the boys and the girls will play each other. And right. they do. And then Mr. Two Tiny gets his come it's up. It's caught. What I really liked was I thought they were going to go the predictable route where the two women find out and then oh, they're mad at each other. I'm so glad they didn't go there. Girls I am too. Girls were and I, re that. I really liked how the girls were just like, you know what? Screw him. Sisters Let's before get... misters. <laughs> <laughs> so I really appreciated that they basically went after him during the game and let him know that they knew like while he's trying to like take yeah. a shot and he was like airball like it was great it was all good and then um, the uh, episode seven ends with holly kissing coach and then coach kissing holly back yeah that was almost they did it in front of, they, they did it in front of everybody, everybody. Like, it was so good and they were like do you think anybody noticed i was like yes everybody <laughs> was there it was such a, it was such a, like, you felt like orchestras would be playing in the background. <laughs> and episode eight was the prom episode. And, uh, of course I want to call her Shirley, but, uh, uh Nicole Brown, oh man, she, she basically says, what was that about? You know that we have a strict HR policies and they're bringing, <laughs> bringing the HR woman for the four hour lecture in the really thick poster. Well, what's a trip is what actually disappointed me a little was they tried to play off their big epic kiss as as a mistake and i always hate when they do that because it's just characters aren't speaking to each other you know and they're like oh uh it was a mistake because of this and this and this and you want it it was a mistake because of this and i was like guys just can we just talk what are you they're doing in denial because they haven't seen the the two, the one and a half seasons of uh sexual tension that audiences has <laughs> So, then, yeah, then, so then we had to suffer through their whole denial episode, so. But uh, the um, coach talks the mom of the volleyball player to let her finish out the season. That was good. And the daughter, as soon as she says, as soon as she gives a lie to go to this party in Hollywood, you know that's going to blow up in her face, and it did. Holly to the rescue. Which but the whole, but the thing is, I liked her boyfriend. I thought he was cool. But you're kind of like, if you're as cool as you think you are, why would you put your girlfriend in a situation like he did? Like, she's like, look, because he's, I'm being, because he's being selfish. He's a teenage boy. It's like, ooh, Hollywood party. I got him in. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. And then he let her go on her, yeah, like the whole thing was just, they, they t and then he was all surprised that she broke up with him, you know. Uh, oh, you're you're like, going into episode nine. Oh, oops. Spoiler? Well, you knew you knew how that was going to go, but yes. So trust go me, ahead, I've seen real life situations of married guys doing stuff like that to their wives, and people are like watching. It's like, what's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> and you can't. They can't even see it. Like he was. He's genuinely surprised. She's upset. I was like, what? Anyway, so um, yeah, the aftermath of the fire I thought was really really great, and, and also coach's denial that he was not okay. Right. Yeah. That was really like his breakdown was it was it was coming because he kept saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then he just all the emotions just kind of come up and he loses it. And I thought that was a really good moment. I thought yep. that was really well done. So thumbs up for me. Yep. All right. Next up, we're going to talk the Mysterious Benedict Society. And this episode, they finally get to S Lisbon, Spain. Yes. Portugal. 
Lisbon is Lisbon in Portugal? Is that my, I'm saying that wrong? Well, I, I think they're in Portugal because the dude was making fun of uh, of the Portuguese of oh right yes his accent Portuguese accent right right, right. cab driver yeah the the cab driver was hilarious because he was just basically just razzing them <laughs> uh, I was like why would you make fun of these children like who are you uh, and then he kept I mean to be fair they do the cab ride and don't have any money. Which I still blame on the kid that wouldn't take the money profits from the gambling, that, that which they really should have. Yeah, really they really should have taken that money because now they're and screwed. They don't have any money. Fishing. Right. It's so dumb that they wouldn't take because how are they going to eat? Like, what are you? Anyway. They have constants make goo-goo eyes. <laughs> so I, I like the cab driver. I like him manipulating them, and I like them turning around and manipulating him. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and then... Uh, them, you know, finding the next clues and figuring all that stuff out. And they, I think they have two groups of people hunting them now. Yep, they've got the uh, the water polo, the women's water polo water, team, the non non water polo yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alleged and, water polo team, and then and then uh, the other henchmen of uh, the twin brother. So, do you think Benedict is really in the thrall of Roderick's? you know, evil scheme. I really hope not. I hope he's faking because if he's not faking and he's really in the thrall, it's going to be a really boring season. Like, I feel like though I'm not sure the benefit of pretending that he's under the thrall to number two, I'm not sure why he would do that. Um, but I really hope he's not in thrall. That's, I'm, I, that's, I, I'm with I you. Hope he's, yeah. I hope he's got a plan that he's doing a thing. Because he did say, the thing that my brother wants is my validation. His validation, yeah. Right. So he's definitely doing that. And the easiest way to do get to the validation is to pretend that he's under the thrall. I'd like to think that Benedict is smarter than that. Um, that's the whole premise is how smart those two brothers are and how well they go against each other. But I'm not sure why he would lie to number two. So, I'm, But I'm sure there's a reason. I just, I don't know what it is. To make it feel realistic. I don't know. Anyway, I like that she went to the cops, and the cops are like totally under the thrall, and they're all reading the books, and they drank the Kool-Aid. Got little sticky tabs on the <laughs> I thought that, and she was like, she called Interpol, she called everybody, like none, none of it worked. I was like, wow, that's crazy. How do you convince people that you've been kidnapped? If they're like, he would never kidnap you. You're obviously crazy. Um, so all of that was great. Uh, so thumbs up for Mysterious Benedict Society. Yep. It's a, it's a fun little show. All right. Next up, we're going to talk Dangerous Liaisons and I'm going to let Allison and Yusun talk about that because I did not watch. Go ahead, guys. Uh, want to take it? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's, um, this is actually, they, I, I don't know why they didn't give it a slightly different name because it is not the uh, dangerous liaisons that people are, are familiar with. It's more like a prequel, sort, mm -hmm. sort of an origin story. Um, it's gorgeously mounted. Um, it, the costumes and the sets and the, the cinematography is all just beautifully done. Um, I was kind of worried when I saw the trailer for it because they had this typical uh you know, um, pop song update thing uh, accompanying it. And I thought, oh, is that the, the, the tack that they're going to take? And no, they don't. Um, they're, you know, the, the, the soundtrack is also appropriate for it. But uh, I th what I thought was interesting is that, I mean, I, I 
don't have an absolutely 100% clear memory of of the storyline, Dangerous License, but I do remember that Valmont uh, did have money problems. And in this, we kind of find out why, because he, he's actually sort of impoverished nobility. His, his, all his lands were taken away from him by his, his stepmother. So he's uh, working right now as, as a cartographer, um, which I, they gave no indication of in the original, but uh, it seems to be working here. And he's got uh, a fling going with, <clears throat> well, practically every woman uh, of of any kind of means in the entire he's a gigolo. Let's he's be, a gigolo. Let's he's a spade. He's a gigolo. Exactly. Um, and uh, and he's kind of making his way there. But the the person who he is very much in love with, or or seemingly anyway, he um, is. yes, he is. is is a prostitute, right. um, <laughs> who actually turns into uh, the Glenn Close character that we remember uh, from the movie. Um, yeah. And the, the what they do with the the character and and her her progress, um, which I thought was interesting, is they they kind of match what she did uh, with with um, the the younger character to to weaponize her against Valmont and yes. this old this older woman who is acting as a mentor, who was also a target of Valmont's, is doing the same thing with her. So you see, it's it's like you know a generational kind of thing but know, i think she working. she did something really well i thought the show gave it instead of it being like it we it engendered sympathy from empathy sympathy it's sympathy from me because she explained why like it was a feminist sort of choice you know what i mean and mm-hmm. she was saying i thought it was powerful when she said basically i'm helping you to finish what i've started that i don't think i'll have you know the time or the wherewithal to kind of see completion of do you know what i mean yes um, which is a theme that we will cross again in andor the older generation kind of um, setting up the the newer generation to succeed. Do you know what I mean? And knowing that they they won't really reap the benefits necessarily. You know what I mean? Um, so, oh, go ahead, Tom. What are we going to say? The, isn't the Leslie Manville character supposed to be the Glenn Close character? I don't know the name of the actress. So the Camille, the Camille. Is no, the, no, no. Yeah, the, the Camille. Camille is the young. She's like. She's like um, the Glenn Close character, uh, age twenty, and you discover in this that her origins are um, less refined and noble than you I, imagined I, they were in the original. No, I think well, they agree so, to that. I think they. She ends up taking. She ends up taking the surname of the Leslie Manville Correct. character. Correct. Yes. yes. Yep, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, I. I like the the American adaptation. I don't love it. I think Malkovich was woefully miscast. Oh, yes. badly Close, cast. Close is, as always, great. I actually kind of like Keanu in that before people started becoming, and Michelle Pfeiffer, lovely. This one, I just, a problem with this story in general, who do you root for? Because everybody's so awful. Um, and I don't True. think Camille is. I think Camille well, is except, except for the, except for the marks, except for the victims. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why this prequel works. I think the sequel. Sorry, it's not a sequel. I think the original. The original. The original. Yeah, the original. I um, I will, I will. Full disclosure. I am a tremendous fan of the book and both movies. Less so Valmont. Um, 
I, if I remember correctly, uh, the Glenn Close version was Stephen Frears, and I want to say yes. Valmont was done by Milos Forman, I think. Yes, uh, you're right. He did Amadeus. Right. He did Amadeus. So yes. this to me, okay, so I preferred uh, uh, the Stephen Frears version. Uh, it was exquisite. It was luminescent. It was just rich. The score was outstanding. Standing. So uh, I was very scared and nervous for this show, right? And I will say, I didn't know it was a prequel until Allison told me. So I already got a little bit more relaxed because I thought, okay, it won't be a direct comparison. Number two, it definitely has more of a Milos Forman uh, sort of energy. It's the colors are a little bit more muted, seems a little bit less theatrical. Um, you know, it seems, uh, you know, like more like the Valmont version of it. Um, and so I think that's another good choice. It's a little bit more, I think, uh, realistic, if you will, organic. Uh, the costumes are outstanding. That you cannot do this period. You cannot do Baroque, French, 1780s, you know, uh, 90s, whatever, 80s into the 90s, uh, and not be like this good. It just doesn't work, you know? So um, there's no skimping there. Uh, Allison, you said it. I thought at first uh, it was going to be like a Sofia Coppola thing where they do modern music. And I was like, I am not down for that. I was like, I'm not down for that. Um, You know, The Great did it a little bit, I mean, much better, you know what I mean, in terms of modernizing, you know, a period piece. I mean, they did a great job, no pun intended. Um, But I was not, I did not want that for this. So the only thing is, this I will say, is um, I thought it was a very solid pilot. I don't think it was great. And I'm not 100%, you know what I mean? It was solid. It was interesting. It was pretty enough to look at. You know, the dialogue was fine. It wasn't gripping or like super emotional, like in the sense that like, I was like, oh, I was really rooting for anyone, even right from the get-go. And I think the problem for me is Camille. Uh, I don't know, and I don't know how to say this in a, in a, in a, what's the word? Not delicate, but I don't know if they cast her in terms of her visage, her look, uh, because she's supposed to end up like Glenn Close. I, I Glenn Close's performance in Dangerous Liaisons is top five for me of all all acting. For I mean, seriously, I can't tell you the subtlety, the nuance, the conflict, the ambiguity, the ambivalence, all of it of her acting. Uh, the, the the deep, deep hurt, but the torn of the love, it, we're learning how that began, right? I do not see that. I don't, if I know that she ends up like Glenn Close, I don't see that here. I don't see the heartbreak. I don't see the complete destruction of this woman's belief in love and, and her boyfriend and all that stuff. So I will say, and I don't think that she is, for me, if you guys remember, we think we talked about this, I'm almost on Libya. Uh, Kate Beckinsale was a revelation in Much Ado, right? She was just yep. this innocent, yep. beautiful, bright, and you knew she was going to be a star, and she was lovely and delicate. And So I wanted my Camille to be like that. I wanted her to be a revelation for me, and I wanted her to kind of just win me over and make me sympathize with her, and she didn't. So, uh, and now, and last thing, I respect that they didn't do the pretty woman montage where like they do the makeover and she spins and they put her in different dresses and wigs. I thought, oh dear God, I was like, if they do that, if I see a pretty woman montage one more time uh, and they didn't, which was great. So props for it not being melodramatic, props for it being solid. Uh, I will definitely watch, but it wasn't great. And I kind of wanted it to be great. All right. Well, we need to move on. Uh, I think you guys are giving it a thumbs sure. sideways. No, 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 no. A thumbs up. Um, I, mean, I, I think I think I'm more, the... I'm more sideways than mm-hmm. Allison and uh, Yusin. 
Yeah, okay. no, I, I think that Houston's uh, bar is a little high for this TV show. Um, <laughs> I, was, I guess part of me was just relieved they didn't embarrass themselves. So, yes. yeah, but um, but I, I'm I'm in it for the me run. Too. I think I'm, it definitely grabbed my attention enough to want to watch it. All right, it. Well, let's let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and this was the episode that uh, they finally made that ship get get some air behind it and sail a little bit spirit of the ducks um, part two <laughs> but i did like that they took them to the arena and i was like who the heck are they gonna get to inspire the team and blah 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 blah. and they're like uh nobody we're gonna have the coach do it and he'll let her be the coach and i was like you know what i was slightly disappointed because it wasn't a there wasn't a surprise guest star because they, they built had real, it up they had real anaheim ducks so yeah i don't know that's not insubstantial guys. It, it, I guess it's not if you watch hockey, which I don't. I don't watch. I don't watch the Mighty Ducks for the hockey. So <laughs> I don't. So I know nothing. Like I, I, only reason I knew those guys were Anaheim Ducks is because they literally told me that they were Anaheim Ducks. Uh, so I didn't get whatever I was supposed. to. I was expecting a television guest star that I was going to know, and I did not get that. So I, I, I get what they were going for, and but I did like that ultimately it was about uh, Lauren Graham figuring out her inner coach and figuring out how to bring, bring out the ducks to get them motivated. And I thought that was actually pretty good. So, and then we finally get the big kiss that I guess we were waiting on. Um, and hopefully they don't go the way of big shots where next week they're like, I don't know what happened. I totally tripped and fell on your lips. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and Josh Dumel directed that episode too. Oh, I think I saw his name and I was like, wait, is that who I think that is? Yeah, I think it I is. saw that and was slightly confused. Good for him. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, and he's hardly in the episode, so that makes sense. It, he's yeah, only like in the sense. like, yeah, so he's only in like two scenes. Um, but the episode was good and uh, all the hockey action scenes were nice. I did notice that. I was like, oh, that's really, really well shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, the series is going where I kind of want it to go. Tom, your thoughts? No, it was a, it was a good episode. Um, I was surprised that they had the kiss so soon in the season. I thought that would be more. It did feel a little soon. That's true. The end of the season than the beginning. But the thing is, when when she when she shows him his you know where they went on the unsanctioned field trip, the fact that she took them to Anaheim in the Duck Stadium, which is where his son has had his meltdown, right? Which is it, what it was, which, which is yeah. what gave him a crisis of confidence. And the, this helped the kid get his confidence back. That's what I mean. When you when you play the when you play the parent card well, right? You know, I was glad they didn't try to ship uh, coach on big shot with the parent. It was just more oh, like right. okay, you're not as stupid as I thought you were. But yeah, I thought yeah. that, was... that seemed obvious too. Yeah. So no, it was it's good. I just want to give it a shout out. Disney's Disney Plus's development people do a great job. Because I have not seen an original series that I hated. There have been some that I don't like as much and haven't finished, Turner and Hooch. But for the most part, they're really well produced, well acted, a step above Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. And they've got good family values. So, good. Yeah, Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, definitely. All right, let's move on. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk the English, which is uh, the Western by um, Emily Blunt. She's a producer on it, executive producer. 
And she talked about, I saw her in some show where she was talking about how in pre-production she got everything prepped and she worked on, you know, I don't, she didn't say she was a writer or anything, but she just talked about she was there at the beginning and getting everything ready. And then she got to shoot it and how exciting the whole thing was. And I would say overall, I think it's going in the direction I want it to go. I really like the, uh, what is the guy's name? Eli? Like Eli. 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 Yeah, yeah I, I, I like him a lot. Um, but what's interesting is I like the idea, because I don't think we've ever seen a Western from the point of view of a Native where the Native is playing like a collaborator. Like, if we see the people that are help, like, if we see, like, a Sioux or somebody who's helping the U.S. Army, it's always from the U.S. Army's point of view, and it's they, those guys are like sidekicks. And if we see it from the Native Americans' point of view, They're all the people traitor. who collaborate are usually considered traitors. So, I and I like the fact that that woman, even when he rescued her and saved her life, she still called him a traitor. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then the only other thing I'm going to say is the voiceover at the top of the episode was so weird. It was like bizarrely slow. Like she was talking in like, like in molasses. Mm. It was such a weird thing that it threw me off for a while until they pretty much stopped the voiceover and it actually just got into the story. Yeah. You um, called me, I think, right. Did you call me or we texted? I think you called me about it. Are you, I think you called me just to tell me that you, weren't sure how you felt about the show and right. how it, and it was because of that voiceover at the top really? yeah was you, and you didn't say that which was good you know so you kind of let me uh you, let me just kind of experience it on my own and I did not feel that the first 30 minutes were slow or that it was weird however I did but because I the voiceover I think didn't throw me as much as it threw through you but I agree with you I and I mentioned this to you off podcast it almost felt like it was an afterthought or like a let's go back in. You know, we watched the, the you know, we watched the, the dailies or something and we were like, yeah, this is too slow or this is too confusing or it's taking too long to get to a story. Because think about it. If you pull that a voiceover off, you really have no idea what's going on. You know what I mean? And um, and it is kind of then you're just literally in the wild, wild west. No pun intended. You're just dropped off in the middle of nowhere like she was. Um, and so I, it, and I love Emily Blunt. I think she does a fine job with both comedy and drama and horror. Now we've seen her do horror. Um, so I think I've always liked her, you know, even pre Devil's Wear Prada. So I think she's really well cast for the role. I did not like her voiceover. I just straight up didn't like it. Forget about molasses. I no, just, it was just weird. It was like the way she was talking was yeah. so strange. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Well, was, you know, I, I, I have to say because I've I actually have seen the whole thing now. Oh, and right. if you see it in context, I mean, mm -hmm. at first it didn't bother me really to begin with, mm -hmm. but particularly if you see it in context, that voiceover is extremely meaningful sure. and important to the story. Sure, yeah. not just in terms of of oh gee, if we don't do it, then nobody knows what's going on. Okay. I think part of the what the story uh, is is that it kind of deliberately sets you off balance mm. from the beginning you're asking questions like sure. what am i looking at well while she's doing that voiceover remember we're getting a tour of this lo this location presumably yeah. her house it looks more like a museum than, yeah. a, than a home um you know with artifacts for the from the old west and clearly she to... had a relationship with him i'm that's where clearly. i'm going 
And yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. is, the, the, you you need to look at those artifacts and listen to what she's saying, I and was. get the and get the you know the the understanding that she's speaking about all of this in in the past. I did. Yeah, she's doing the past. I did all of that. But that's but not the, the, the thing that's, that wasn't but, my issue. But but the I think the important thing is that I mean we are learning this story from from her perspective mostly, um, right. as as like a tale of things that happened <laughs> you know years ago, yeah. and right. and. A lot of the time that's spent, um, you're you're constantly, you know, asking yourself, okay, well, why is she there? What is she doing? What happened to to her son? Um, <clears throat> why am you know why do not I not see certain people at? Certain I don't mind that times? at all. And, and the thing is that but, well, they they the thing is they do keep you off kilter. They don't like feed you all the information at the very at the very beginning. They give it to you little bit by little bit, and I really yeah, appreciate that's it. Not, that that, that's yeah. not the problem that I yeah. had. I, I don't mind that kind of storytelling. I'm just saying literally her voiceover at the top felt so melodramatic and over the top to me yeah, it was that, weird. I was, that I was thrown off, that I was like, is this show going to be terrible? Like, I le- legit was worried oh. because of that. But then once you get into the story, you know, once you I get past that, yeah, once you get past that, it's fine. But it was the the first like 15, 20 minutes. I was like, uh oh, is this gonna be just, bad? I was just five. I was five. Like I think Livia had a problem with it more than 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 I did. And and like I said, Allison, I agree with you. And obviously, like you said, you saw the whole series. I get it. I get that kind of storytelling. Uh, you know, I, in a Western, I was talking to Libya about pacing, you know, like the, a lot of a certain type of, uh, you know, um, like True Grid and Unforgiven. And I'm a huge fan of Westerns. So there's definitely that kind of Western where it takes a long time to get going and it's very heavy on story. Yeah, not, I have no problem with that no, either. I'm not yeah. saying you did. I'm, I'm just talking about myself. I was just saying that you said 20, 30 minutes or 15, 20 minutes. I was five minutes and I was fine and I was in it. Um, but what I'm saying is I get it. Like I, I got all of the references and the, you know, the, the camera panning on the buffaloes and the, this and the, that clearly she loved this man. Clearly she's posh, you know, clearly all of this stuff, you know? So I didn't, I, none of that. I didn't have a problem with it. I just, when Libya said what she said, I kind of wondered and I thought, well, I, I'm fine with this. But when I thought about it a little bit more, I thought, oh, maybe it's the voiceover she was talking about. And, and she, you know, that's the case. I want to move on because I want to talk about, and not the costumes, but that hat. When, I mean, the, the, <laughs> that hat, I mean, I was waiting for her to come out of that. You know, they did such a nice job of creating anticipation. And all I could think about is what will she be wearing when she steps out of that carriage and the shot. And let me tell you quick, 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 little note, a personal note. The very first casting, uh, costuming job I ever got was assistant wardrobe stylist for um, the importance of being earnest, and I was responsible for all the hats, just the hats. I took a one semester of millinery, millinery class, and um, I was just, and I had so much fun doing those hats. And so when she stepped out in that glorious hat, took my breath away, and also brought back all sorts of memories with the tool and the flowers, and they did a beautiful job. That was absolutely bespoke. So anyway, that being said, um, she absolutely, I think, is perfect for the role. Um, I, I said this to Libya, there was a point where she's doing that whole speech about melodrama, I'm sorry, melodramatically about magic and her son and this, and it was meant to be and did it. I feel like that could have been over the top and a little bit, you know, just too much in the hands of a different actress, but I thought it just hit all the right notes, you know, and the sympathy, she did puppy eyes, she went down on her knees, all of it. And it could have been 
full-on histrionics, but instead um, I thought I would have been convinced. And his acting is stoic and kind of, you know, it wasn't like stoicism for like, you know, the mysterious, you know, quiet, you know, but it was, he was, it, he played it perfectly. He taught, he was, you know, he was downtrodden. He was a human also, being. Yes. Everything was very organic. It wasn't an archetype. Yes. And, yeah. and I said this to Olivia and that's exactly, and I'll finish here. There was a conversation where she was kind of going on and on and blathering on about like, are you a Scorpio? I'm a Scorpio. What sign are you? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I said to Olivia, I go, that seemed like something I would do. You know, it seems like I would just kind of blather on about because it, and it made it very real for me. Um, and also just the slightest bit of comic relief, not for us, but for them in that, you know, in that relationship, in their world, it seemed very realistic. So I am very, very excited about this show. I, uh, I thought they hit, the pacing was excellent. I thought the uh, Syrian Hines plays, you know, stereotypically his, you know, his role of the heavy. Um, but I thought it was great, all of it. I think um, prairie oysters are the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. Seen. Uh, and I've never, ever, ever want to watch anyone eat one ever again. Um, but that being said, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited about the show. And I love Westerns. And I think this is a very strong Western. Yeah, I, oh. I do not love Westerns at yeah. all. Um, the typical Western I find very off-putting and, and I, very dull. If a Western is going to grab me, it's because it's got to have something different. It's got to have a different take, a different feel. It's kind of offbeat. You know, I, I love things like Deadwood because it was so different, so much its own thing. And I, I, this one grabbed me, too, for the same reason, is that it had, its, uh, it had a different spin and a, di a different take on on the western so the the usual tropes um really you know if they showed up then there was like a spin on them so i i really enjoyed this this particular series when they when, when it's called the english i think they they meant the cast as well as anything else because it was kind of fun <laughs> to watch all these english actors playing these these uh American grizzled Wild West archetypes. I mean, they've got not only C.R. and Hines, um, who who was fantastic in his in his bit, but that we we've also got uh, Toby Jones, you know, as the as the stagecoach driver, and um, we we meet other characters later on in in the uh, for, in the future episodes, like Stephen Rhea. Um, and, uh, it, it's just, they look like they're having the best time in the world playing these characters that normally they wouldn't be cast as. And, uh, and it just looked like they were having fun, but I, I really loved everything about this, the look of it, the pace, um, the, the vistas, the cinematography for this is just gorgeous. Um, they, they really, really took their time and made this look beautiful. And I, uh, I just, I ended up like plowing through the entire series in two days because I just couldn't get it. And I, I had previously been watching like The Crown and I gave up watching The Crown because I got sucked into this. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that, that, that tells you that. It, it was just really, it's, it's a terrific series. And you know what? It reminded me a little bit of Terrence Malick's, uh, I think, Days of Heaven with the like vistas. And oh, the definitely the cinematography. The yes. lighting, you know what I mean? Very, and reminiscent of even the pacing, you know, which a lot of people complain about, you know, his pacing and especially Days of Heaven. But again, I agree with you. I liked it and I would have binged. I absolutely would have if I had had the time. So yeah, it's, it's a very high quality series. My bar is low with Westerns because you put... 
you know, a man with a holster and a horse and the whole thing. And I'm there, a woman in a petticoat, I'm there, but, and a gun <laughs> underneath her petticoat, like, you know, like secretly hiding a gun, like that's even better. You know what I mean? But for right. me, this was high quality. So I'm very excited. All right. Well, we need to move on. Well, oh, sorry, I, Tom. I liked the pilot. I didn't love it. When Karen Hines decks punches Emily Blunt in the face, for some reason that just really turned me off. And yes, he oh gets, yeah, well he's not—he's definitely not a good guy. Yeah, he gets what's coming to him, but man, it just, ugh, yeah, that just kind of. I have to say, I didn't see that coming. I, I did, did not, not see, see that coming, coming at all. But it really just kind of. So I'll keep watching based on y'all's recommendation, but the pilot didn't grab me like I was hoping it to. And I grew up watching westerns on TV, so. Yeah, I lo- I love westerns, so that's my that's my genre too. All right, well let's move on. Next up, we're gonna talk uh, Warrior Nun. And this was the premiere of season two after it's been off the air for like two or three years, it feels like. Um, And we finally get back. And only thing I will have to say, I felt cheated because the finale of season one leaves you at a holy crap, what are they going to do? They have to fight this guy and boom, cut to black. And then we start the new show and they're like, oh, remember this fight that we were going to have? Two months so we later. Had it. Yeah, I was like, we had it, and now it's two months later. And I was like, are you kidding me? So that felt, oh, that felt like a cheat. I was well, this wasn't confusing to me. That was a cheat. I was like, you guys just skirted around the big fight. I was well, like, you have to watch it. I was so yeah. confused that they would cheat us like that. I was like, what? That's a terrible choice. Yeah, that was that was not cool. Uh, and then they kept talking about Mary, and I was like, who the heck is Mary? Like. Oh, I, I did know, that too. I, I was like, yeah, because they had a previously on, and they didn't show Mary in the previously, and so every everybody was like, "Is Mary okay? Is she there?" And let's and whatever Mary. And I was like, "Who the heck is Mary?" And then they finally at the end, they're like, "Oh, so Mary's dead." I was like, "So I, do I not need to worry about Mary anymore?" Like what? And I'm sure if I watch the finale of season one again, I'll know who that is, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they killed Mary!" But like right now, I don't remember. They did like a little flashback when it's, it, you know, they, they do a couple of little flashbacks, um, to uh, you know, Ava's like thinking about what happened before, and very briefly you see like Mary confronting the bad guy, and. The, and then it's like I mean literally it's blink and you miss it and it but it was enough for me to go oh I guess that's Mary <laughs> <laughs> yeah they talked about her more than explained who she was yeah which was so a bad I choice was, yeah I was like wait what but I do remember watching it reminded me why I like it why I like the warrior nun um the first episode it feels weird because it feels like it almost scared me because there were parts of season one where she's off doing her own thing and refusing to be the nun and just like having fun with her friends. And those episodes were kind of boring. And so when we start the episode and she's like, Oh, I'm just a bartender now. I guess she thought I'd be doing something else. And I was like, yes, I thought she'd be doing the plot of the movie, you know, the show, like what? But I have to say they very quickly introduced a bunch of stuff and then they had a huge fight scene and Oh my god, can we talk that fight scene? Lilith, hello. Well, yeah, yeah, that was the I was gonna talk about too. Sorry. So the fight Sorry. scene in the alleyway, I actually didn't like the editing of that Me scene. Me neither. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, I was like, why are you speeding stuff up? Why are you doing watch? Like I had problems with that. However, as I'll let you talk about the Lilith one, which was actually done really well. 
So it was such a strange thing where they did one fight scene and it was not good. And then they did the Lilith fight scene, which was pretty epic. I, so go ahead, Yusin, talk about well, the Lilith. Well, I think, you know, I, I agree with you 100% and I won't spend any time talking about the first one. But I think maybe in one way, I mean, the only thing I could think of justifying it is, it, and it kind of makes sense, is to really make them very different. You know, one was like street fighting and the other one was straight up superhero, like Nightcrawler stuff. Um, it was, I felt like I was watching a different movie, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, and, and there was this one bit where she's like taking off people's arms and legs and yeah, stuff. It was, it was and weird. then there's this, it was super gross and graphic, yeah, but yeah. then some dude, like at the very end, he's like, I will pull out this stick and hit you with it. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Lie down, play dead. I, mean, I was like, what? I was like, why? People are realistic. She's, and yeah, because people have guns. People have guns and are shooting at her, and she just destroys them. them. She and destroys them. And this one just like, well, I will come at you with a stick. And yeah, I was you know, like, it's really interesting for me. Is I normally don't, I'm not a baby about the gore, but normally I feel like it's excessive and doesn't need to happen. And I'm not saying it needed to happen in this. It's still a fantasy show. But it, it was an interesting middle between, like, The Boys, which is super, like, excessive and comic booky versus you know something less than it kind of landed somewhere in the middle and i think because of the freneticness and the special effects of it and all of it i mean it was still very non-realistic so i was very fine with how gory it was i was surprised for sure yeah i, I was like yeah we need that but i think uh it was sort of I think necessary. yes though yeah the, the, i think you do because you yes. need to understand the difference between yes. lilith yeah and and our main hero how they fight yeah Yeah, that's where i'm going like she is evil how evil what's her motivation what's it going to be like how are we going to see well i I don't feel like lilith is evil like what is she is she is she you know what i mean like the the scene for me is specifically to make us sort of feel like obviously the traitor priest guy is the evil one yeah he's the one that's working with adriel yeah and he's the one that betrayed all the other nuns yeah and he killed some of them so yes he's the bad guy yes. and, and, then, is not. and then i forgot you guys can remind me right well Kim, i forgot his name uh his actual character name but the the cardinal or the monsignor or the whoever the dude in white um we you mean uh, pope? The pope. Oh, pope. He, oh he oh became the pope he be, yeah. yes he became yeah. the pope so so yeah so um i think i remember and i could be 100 percent wrong I think we thought, I think he was the red herring and I think we thought yes. he was going to be bad and then in the end he was to be good. Correct. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm glad he's back and I love him as the actor and, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what they're going to do with it. But I thought it was a little bit of slow going. I thought the whole, before they yeah. got to the Samaritan and stuff, I got a little worried and I was like, am I going to like this season? Um, and I'm still well, especially because they jumped over the the main fight from Correct. last season. All of it. So yes, that was that was worrying. That was worrying. So I'm not super sold on it. Like I, I mean, you know, the Lilith thing brought it back to me. I was like, oh, this is what I love about this. <laughs> I mean, like, bring it. You know, bunch of warrior women. You know, nuns. You know, it's in the title, warrior nuns. Like that's what I came to see. So give me some warrior nuns. So I mean, I'm very open-minded about it, um, but it was all about Lilith, and if we get more Lilith, I'm totally fine with that. All right, uh, Allison. 
Uh, no, I'm pretty much going to repeat, the, you know, what you guys were saying. I, I got a little further than you. I, I watched like the first three episodes and um, I think it, it it does get more, it does get better as it goes as along, along. There's more action. There's more story. They still keep beating the thing of, you know, oh, Mary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really need going, to find out who the heck is Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- there's that, um, but the, the, there's there's a lot more going on that's that's really interesting, and they get into more of what you know what the other characters are doing and all of that. And frankly, you know, I'm you know, if you have someone like Lilith, what do you even need the warrior nun for? I mean, I know she seems way more powerful. Yeah, really, she could take care of all of them. Um, yeah. The only the only problem is is of course you know she's she's when she uses her power apparently there is a a price to pay for that so uh and that that they get into that more later on but um i i you know enjoyed it enough that i did watch another couple episodes uh and and i think you know they eventually find their footing but yeah it was a little awkward at the beginning when you know you're saying well wait a minute what happened to (laughs) and what's this but yeah they do they do write the ship all right, excellent. Because that's what I plan on binging today. Is watching some Warrior Nun. All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk peripheral. Whatever the word peripheral. is that I'm saying wrong. Uh, so the newest episode uh, has an awesome, awesome scene where, you know, you've got the, we get into the backstory of this hitman, which I was like, wow, they are really showing how, how good this guy is and how evil he is. And then he immediately gets like captured. And I was like, wait, what, what did we do that for? Um, so I feel like that he's obviously going to hopefully go somewhere else. We're going to have, we're going to spend some more time with him because they spent a lot of time setting that guy up. Uh, but I do like that his plan totally went off the rails because one, everyone in this small town is super helpful and friendly <laughs> and everyone in this town has a gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so his, his, his uh, yeah so his whole setup just went just sideways and i was like man you need to spend more time in texas or wherever they were where everybody has a gun and everybody stops to help a stranger yeah i think it's so, isn't it north carolina that they're supposed to be i think so states. yeah i think so but that was hilarious to me that uh his whole like setup and sneakiness and uh because they're like you be like a scalpel and he's like all right i'll be like a scalpel and it just went way <laughs> off the rails and i i like that a lot um and i was afraid they were gonna i was like they're totally gonna kill this deputy and i like Tommy? the deputy yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah. like him i was like he's not gonna make this are he's you not shipping him and flynn no not really um i think he has a crush on her i don't think she's as interested so she doesn't need a dude. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, she, I don't think she can take care she, of business. <laughs> yeah, she, I think he wants to be her protector, but she does not need that. Nope. And so, and if he's setting himself up as being the big protector guy, that's not going to work for him. She's way more interested in the dude in the future. <laughs> yes, that's true too. She's way more interested in the dude in the future who is totally willing to let her, he'll stand back and let her do her thing. Um, and he under he appreciates how dangerous and how self sufficient she is, and he doesn't doubt that about her. And I think he sees her for who she is, and that's why their ship is way more interesting to me 
even though I'm not sure how they're going to hold do that whole future thing. They live hundreds of they live like a hundred year apart from each other. Seventy five years, I think it is. Yeah, so that's a uh, uh, that's that's kind of a a barrier. She's definitely uh, dating a younger man. Yeah. <laughs> so I I but I ship them more just because he sees her, and I don't think the deputy sees who she really is. So I don't see how he can be into her if he doesn't understand her. So that's why I don't really ship them. And yes, he's going to get himself killed. Uh, Tom, go ahead. What did you think? I did love when she takes on Sharice at the end. Oh, no wow. holds barred. I'm like, you go girl. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, she's like, I'm in a fake peripheral. She's like, you don't think I am too? And then they're like, all right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was fantastic. That was a great fight. I can't kill you, but I can make you suffer. Yes, that was great. Go ahead, Tom. Any other thoughts? I just, for me, that was the moment. That and when her bestie on the bridge. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, grabs a shotgun, cocks it, boom. Next one's (laughs) going to be in your head. (laughs) That was excellent. Uh, Allison, go ahead. No, I thought it was a great episode. Although I have to say he has to be wearing like the world's best Kevlar vest because she was in close range with a huge shotgun, took it right in the chest. It should have, it should have killed him, you know, flat out. Even if it didn't, even if the bullet didn't actually penetrate that much shock should have stopped his heart. Well, my thing is he also should have at least been knocked out, Something. you know, and he kept getting up. I was like, what are you, yep. the Terminator? Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I really, so. that was that was a little bit much. much. But I mean, I, yeah, I am looking forward to seeing him again because clearly they haven't killed him yet. They they made a big right. thing of, of going and, and uh, giving his back, having him have his, yeah. And then they, they had his conversation with his daughter who totally screwed up the top secret conversation. He mm-hmm. was like, yes, I'd like to let you know that your policy is being blah, blah, blah. And She's like, Daddy, and I was like, Come on, he's undercover. What are you doing? Uh, so I, I appreciated that because they're showing one that he cares about his daughter, and two, he's ruthless. Like they were showing both of those aspects of his character, which I thought was really interesting. So if you're gonna give me all of that about this guy, he's obviously gonna play a bigger part. Yeah. So and I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was just you know as. As per usual, it was a great episode. You know, the, the more they give us, I, the more I'm willing to sit through. I think so far, the show is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk about Andor, and I'm going to let uh, Yusin start us off since this is her very favorite show. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Um, oh, my God. I mean, do you have an hour? Because um, I will take it all. No. Actually, I'll, I'll be pretty concise because I think everybody knows how much I love the show and why. So um, I will actually give more anecdotes because it'll just be more personal. This is not an exaggeration. It was, look, it's a prison break, right? And Yay, uh, prison break! Yeah, and we know, we know that, you know, uh, you know the, the notes, right? Mm. The reluctance, the like when to do it, who's going to die. I mean, the body count was pretty high. I mean, nobody's super you know, important, but I mean, whatever, right? Uh, So the body count was high. The tension was incredibly high. 
um, you know, the inspirational speech where he kind of, you know, gets to the main mic and he kind of doesn't know what to say. And, and um, I think that, um, uh, um, Andy Circus. Yeah. Andy Circus did a great job with that. You know, it's the St. Crispin speech, you know, in any, yeah. you know, worth any, anybody worth their salt wants one of those, right? Man, woman. I one think way out. Right. <laughs> you know, it was it worked for me. You know, I think that um, Diego Luna um, is perfectly cast as sort of this everyman. He's not a superhero. He's not even as um, sexy or or swaggery as your Harrison Ford. Right. Um, so he is a very realistic, wiry, you know, kind of a survivor, you know, so he plays it perfectly to the note, but he's strong and he's inspirational um so i love that i love that moment you know where he said he he repeated the line that diego luga that um andor said to him you know about whatever this is the moment or this i don't even remember you know i think the dialogue is so good uh the writing not just the dialogue but the writing so um but at one point it was so again we know they're getting out we know andor's living it's literally called andor we know rogue one he's alive and I, I didn't ever think that he was going to die in the in the in the in the prison break. Then they didn't make it seem like his life was ever at risk. But what I mean is, I am not joking when I say this. I have a health meter right on my phone, and at one point my heart was racing right, and I just was like, oh, oh, you know, I just was so excited. I took a moment to take my heart rate. No joke, okay. And it was over a hundred. I was what? like, what? Yes. And I was like, the show is so good. It's like giving me a heart attack. I love it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is the best. And so, cause you want to show that moves you, right? Makes you passionate and wants you like, you want to see the end. And then of course, this is poignant. <gasps> You're, they're racing, they're racing. He like, he inspires everybody. Da, 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 da. And then he's like, oh. I can't swim. And you're just yes. like, <laughs> you're like, that was epic. Yeah, that was epic because I was like, and then I thought, okay, he's going to do a thing where he's like, okay, well, come with, with me, me and I'll help you yes. swim and I'll help you and I'll do the no. thing. And, and then he just gets knocked off. quality writing. It's not pandering. It's not Disney. You know what I mean? It's just, and it, there's not a long speech. Come with me. I'll take, you know, it was just, bam, what happened to him? Oh, that dude's dead. Like, you know, all yeah. of Yep. And that is fantastic. That's what I want from an episode. You know, don't pander, you know, even if you're not going to surprise me, do what you're going to do, do it well, get my heart rate going. I mean, I, the look of the show is great. Somebody else go because I could go on for another day. I, I'm, I'm going to go. I just got to say the moment for me, I mean, Andy Circus, obviously awesome. He was selected as the uh, performer of the week by TV line. However, nice. comma. Stellan Skarsgård's speech about oh my god, how, oh, wow. that, that, was Tom that alone, I'm nominating when I get my writers guild ballot. I will nominate oh, it for Tom best new drama because yes. that speech. A buddy of mine who's a dean of uh, the arts college at uh, at Lee University posted, typed up the whole thing and posted it on his Facebook page. That's great writing. Yep. That's great performing. Yep. And. Yeah. That is, this Preach. is what Lucas did not show Preach. us. And it Preach. took somebody else yeah. to show us rebellions take sacrifice. Yep. Yes, and People heroes. Die. You need heroes. I, oh, I, I, man. That, whole, that whole speech was and so You need heroes and capes. He had a cape. <laughs> <laughs> you need heroes and capes for a rebellion. 
for real. Okay, Allison, go ahead. Allison, go ahead. No, I, I really uh, that that speech in particular was was so fantastic, and that whole scene. I mean, first of all, you know, we it's revealed to us who the mole is. It was a surprise. I just thought he was another imperial lackey. Exactly, yep. which is exactly the point. The good mole doesn't oh. doesn't you know bring attention to himself, and so I I you know when he was walking through there, it wasn't until you know he goes into this little secret door that I went, he's the mole, and and you know then he he meets up with Skarsgård, but the whole discussion between the two of them oh. was was so fantastic, you know, and you felt for this poor guy because yeah. he of course he's you know he doesn't want to get killed, he doesn't want his his family to get killed um so he he does want out but at the same time you know he's not being let out of this and Skarsgård goes into this this discussion of of the sacrifices that you make for for doing this and that it's you you may not live to see um you know the the end of it to see the fruition and and all of the things that he's done and had to do and it was and it's not it's not inspirational was what I loved about it. It was, it was, it was the super opposite. dark. Yeah. It was extremely dark. And it's yep. like, yes, that's, that's what, you know, a real revolution would be. There are, there are ugly parts of it. And, yeah. and, you know, and he won't even get to see the, the glorious part. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm sacrificing 50 men for you. Yeah. Uh -huh. you know? All of and it. So poignant. Yeah, all, yeah. It was so good. He was like, to keep this going, it requires people to be sacrificed. And that's what I, and he's making the hard calls. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he emphasizes he won't get to see all his own sacrifice. You know what I mean? Right. It's, you yeah. Know? Exactly. Which he's, like, I, which I don't I, have, he's like, I don't have a wife. I don't have any kids. I don't have any. And he's like, you, you're talking about what you're sacrificing. This is what I've sacrificed. Yeah. So exactly. Was, which I, which really I thought good. was, which I thought was fantastic because, you know, previously with star Wars, it's, it, it's usually so black and white and yes. all the good guys, you know, can't do anything wrong and all of this. Yes. And Skarsgård is in, is into all kinds of dark decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, that's what it, that's what it would take. And I love the fact that they're willing to go in, in that direction. Um, uh, speaking on another, on another point, I have to say, you know, if, if there's going to be a, a, any kind of a prison break or a, a, a you know, a, a plan, a scheme to break into or out of anything or grab anything or whatever it is, if Cassian Andor is at the head of it, yeah. I am not involved. <laughs> <laughs> because the attrition Everyone rate, dies. Everyone, everyone dies. dies. I mean, did you see all the people who were jumping into the water and when they finally get to shore, there's like one dude. Two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, his 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 track record is really, really You bad. know, it's so funny that you say that, Allison, because I was like, oh, they, they must have partnered up a little bit. I was like, where's everybody else? I was like, are they, <laughs> are they dead? What's happening? I'm, I'm not thinking everybody's dead. Yeah. I mean, the, law of, the law of averages is against Sure. Sure. No. And they, yeah. and they won't even they won't even say whether uh circus character is, is circus. dead. I, maybe he won't be body. I'd love it. Well, here's yeah. the listen. I want to say no. That. Okay, sorry. Because I, 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 I haven't talked yet. Oh, sure. The only sure. thing I, I'm going to say real quick is yeah. that I know the series is called Andor, mm. and I love the everyone. <laughs> this, I, I, yeah, the senator, the senator storyline. She's good. I love everyone. But what I've found, especially in this episode, 
I wanted Andy Serkis to live more than I wanted Andor to live, honestly. <laughs> so it's like the the heart of him, like him transforming and realizing what he had to do and making that decision. Yep. Everything about him just made me want to be on his team. Yeah. And the thing about Andor, you say he's an everyman, but part of it is he also doesn't really have leadership charisma yet. Sure. Because well, if is- you would ask me to follow, I know this is early. I get it that it's early for him. If you would ask me to follow him, I wouldn't have done it. Sure. You know, like I'd have been like, yeah, no, man. But that's why um, I mean. he's kind of average. You know what I mean? He doesn't. Yeah, I that. know. And, 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 but that's the thing that's kind of weird watching this mm. is I'm not drawn to him mm. yet. Mm. Uh, I'm drawn to the story and everything that's going on around him. Absolutely. Mm. And I think all the other actors are kind of blowing him away mm. in my opinion a little bit um so andy circus was so so good in this but, episode but you've got to remember that we we know how this story ends literally. yeah yes i know that and, and, yeah and, but... and the fact that we are taking a reluctant hero yeah who basically has been do has been making choices ba- based on selfish and pragmatic motivation I understand that too. versus becoming a true I, believer and I, I I get all of that. My point is that he he's not popping off the screen for me uh, I right now. I think it's I think it's a sign of his maturity as an actor to let and as an executive producer let your co-stars have their moment in shine. He's an executive producer? It, yes, he's one of the wow, executive producers. Let your, co- let your co-stars have their moments and shine. Yeah. It's not yeah. a you know even though the show's named after you. Yeah. The story for him to go on this journey yeah. is requiring him to start yeah. from point A and yeah. end up at the end of the. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll judge this. I'll judge this when we get to the end. Right. But right now, I'm not moved by him the way I feel like I should be. Um, and then the last thing we'll say is the senator uh, is asked being Mon asked Mothma? to. She's asked to trade her daughter. For oh my gosh! I was like, that was great. Holy crap! Yes, the stakes are so high on this show for everybody. It's, yeah. I mean, they don't play around. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been joking all week about the, you know, the the show ate and left no crumbs, and I'm telling you, this show is. I lick the fingers. I lick the plates. I lick the floor. Like there's just nothing wrong with this show. Like every little bit, I feel like they've gotten right. And yes, Libby, I can see what you're saying. And I don't disagree with that take. Like someone has that take. But for me, like I said, he doesn't have the Harrison Ford swagger. He isn't your leading man. And for him to be sort of the fulcrum, I'm okay with that. Not the fulcrum. The I think, I think I'll, I'm saving my uh, determination till you know we have the whole story but right now i i don't feel it like i don't feel my allegiance towards andor and i know he's selfish right now i totally get that but it's not even just that he's selfish he i don't feel his gravitas well i I think that it's a function of the story itself that he is not actually making any of these happen uh, any any of these situations he keeps being swept up yeah. By by the force of the of of history in yeah. his in his time, he's being moved around like a pawn so far. Mm. And I think at, at a certain point, he's going to develop, uh, you know, his own agency and his own his own need to make things 
mm-hmm. happen. He's mm-hmm. going to, you know, mm-hmm. come into his own as a character. But I think right now he's just being buffeted by the winds of, of his time. And and we're seeing him just he's he's not okay. proactive, he's just reactive. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. I think he he needs to make that transition and I'm hoping that by the end of this this season, that's what we see. I mean, structurally, structurally, the the first season finale is the midpoint of the whole story. So right. when, when you have a character who's being acted upon instead of acting, that's traditionally the point where he needs to take, or she needs to take. At least he needs to take his at least first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there was this great quote by Thomas Jefferson that we had to memorize at the Naval Academy: "The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time." with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Yeah. And I really feel, Bo Willeman, by the way, has written this chunk of episodes, and he's the guy who adapted House of Cards for Netflix. Oh, but wow. I just love that Gilroy, as, as head writer, knows which writers to assign to which storylines mm. to handle the themes and the characters and whatnot. But mm. wow, I just, the oh, show, is, show is awesome. It's so good. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. All right, so let's wrap that up. Uh, thumbs up from, I believe, all of us on this oh, one. Oh, elbows, ears, <laughs> knees. Knees up. All right, all right. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to, us, so, uh, listen to us on Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.